is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Monday, December 21st, 2020, season 16, episode number 84. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break, presented by Geico. It's Christmas week, and we've got all kind of Christmas goodies for you guys. We're going to be talking about the Cowboys, and we're talking about the Cowboys coming off their ba- the first back-to-back win of the season. Cowboys get the victory over the San Francisco 49ers, 41-33. to They are firmly in place uh, to still be in the hunt for an NFC East championship. Firmly? And- <laughs> And maybe and maybe the playoffs, and who knows, maybe the Super Bowl. Who knows? Who knows where this thing is going to go? I'm just excited. It's Christmas week, so we're going to have some fun. One right. to five. That's what it went. Their 1% chance yeah, went to 5% chance. I know. I know. I was just trying to hype it up a little bit That's just because okay. it's I'm Christmas sorry. week. Quite. Let's go. Playoffs? Yeah. Uh, got my guys here. Got Nick. Got uh, Dave. Got Amber. Uh, welcome to the show. Let's talk about Cowboys versus 49ers. Uh, Nick, I want to start first with you, and because you you obviously have access that most media people don't have. Thank you. Talk to me about <laughs> talk to me about the locker room and and that whole vibe down there. Just because you know, again, I just, I want to know if the players are exci- as excited as I would think Some, they would be in back to back wins. Somebody was definitely excited after the game they were excited i don't know what was going on don't know what kind of presentation it might have been something for lp honestly i really don't know but there were some it was very joyous in there huh. uh maybe they were giving christmas presents i don't know but it was exciting for i them. got what i wanted I got, yeah. yeah i don't know but um just coming out talking to them they were they were, you know this has been such a frustrating year and to have two wins in a row and to win in a game like this it was a tough game and both teams have you know, lo- losing a lot of players. I think it was just a relief of like, hey, you know, this. It, it feels good to win, stack some wins together like this, and 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 they're still playing for something. That's the thing. They're still in this. Doesn't matter what the percentage is. Next week's game, they think it is going to matter. It may not matter when they kick off, but it matters right now. Yeah, at this moment, it does. Amber, give me your big picture storyline of what you take coming out of this game. Big picture. Um. <laughs> You guys kind of said it right at the beginning of the show, playoffs. And, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to jump back on that train or anything like that, but after this game, the, the Cowboys got me, they grabbed me back by my pinky. You know how little kids grab you by the pinky? That's how the Cowboys got me right now. They're pulling me by my pinky. So I see a lot of fans that are back to being really excited. Apparently, they think that this type of momentum that the Cowboys are gaining at this point of the season might turn into the playoffs, and they might be able to get somewhere further than that. Um, who knows? We just know that 2020 is a crazy year, and you can expect uh, there's anything can happen. Anything can happen, and I don't know. It's just, I guess, this game ex- uh, made me more excited than the game last week against the Bengals. This game just showed me a little bit more of consistency, the fact that it happened back to back. So that part was exciting to me, just seeing the changes that the defense is being able to make right now and seeing them so so fired up. So 
that that would be, I guess, my little storyline of the game. All right, Dave, what's your storyline of the game? Uh, my storyline for the whole thing is just that. I mean, do the Cowboys really know any other way? Yeah, like, is it is it possible for the Cowboys? To not be relevant all the way to the bitter end, one way or the other. Because I, you know, this is my eighth season, and only once in those eight has it not been this way. Like I, like they are like genetically incapable. I was, I, I was watching, uh, you know, I was watching the highlights from all the other games last night, and uh, you know, the Patriots lost to the Dolphins, and they're just like, and you know, the Patriots are done. They can't win the division. They can't make the playoffs. For the first time since like 2008, with two weeks to play, they're just done. And I was like, what's that like? Like, could not be me. Could not be the Dallas Cowboys to just know to a certainty what's going to happen with that much time left in the season. Um, And, you know, if if it's going to be like this, at least it's entertaining because... I was expecting a, you know, I was expecting like a slog, like a 24. I think I said 24-20. I didn't think it was going to be very exciting. It was a hell of an entertaining game. I don't know what it means, but all kinds of goofy stuff happened. And, you know, if if we're going to go all the way to the bitter end, not knowing what's going to happen, at least the game's fun. Yeah, I've always said, I tell this to people who always ask me, I'm sure we all have people in our lives that ask us what's it like working for the Cowboys. And I'm like, the the great part is that it's it's just fun. The Cowboys always have something interesting going on, so it's fun being able to cover it and talk about it. But the worst case, the worst case scenario is the seasons you get into where you get to Thanksgiving and there's nothing to play for. That doesn't happen a whole lot, and it hasn't happened a whole lot. And Nick, you and I went through three, five, and 11 seasons, Mm -hmm. so we know what that feels like. But for, for some of these guys like Dave like and Amber, like they don't know what that feels like. This team is always kind of seemingly just hanging around till the end. And uh, either they get barely get into the playoffs or they're barely out of the playoffs. And it's looking more and more like this team could get to six, seven wins, which I don't think a couple weeks ago, I don't think I didn't think that was possible. But it, it looks favorable that they'll get one more, maybe two more wins mm-hmm. before the season's all done. Yeah. I mean and that's and it's not a good division. You know, it hasn't been a good division, but but everybody seems to be playing a little bit better. The Giants kind of faltered off a little bit, but you know, everyone else, I mean, Eagles have got a spark, you know, obviously yeah. when in Hurts and and Washington, you know, they you know, their defense is 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 really good and they're going to keep themselves in game. So, you know, Washington has a chance to win the division. I mean, they'll go they'll play Carolina at home. They win the division, they can knock everybody else out. Uh, but if they don't it, That's interesting. Yeah, now yeah. now they're going to start, you know, feeling the pressure a little bit on this, and and then everybody has a chance to to jump in there. Yep. All right, let's uh, let's get the to the funny p- thing too is, oh, I'm sorry. I just I think it's funny, and and rightfully so. The NFC sucks. Like it's still it's not a good division, but whoever wins it, after getting dogged on all year, whichever one of these four team wins it, you can already see the storyline of like, oh, like. You don't want to go to FedEx and play this pass rush right now, or don't look now, but the Cowboys have more fans than anybody, so they've got a better home field advantage, and their defense has forced all these takeaways. Like, you don't want to play the Cowboys right now. Like, whichever one of these teams manages to win, the narrative is going to be that, like, oh, like, they're actually kind of scary if you got to go on the road and play them. And it's just, it's ironic after how much. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's just ironic after how much they've gotten dogged on that that's what's going to happen. And by the way, 
There, we've seen this happen before. I think it was the Seahawks, I want to say, a few years ago. They ended up this end of the season, I think, at 8-8, eight and eight, I want to say. And they actually got a win in the first round of the playoffs. 7-9. Yeah. So it was a 7-9, yeah, 7-9. And, and, and they got a win there in the first round of the playoffs. So, you know, it, it will be interesting. And I, that's what I love about the NFL playoffs. It's a one-and-done type scenario. We've, had, we've seen Cowboys teams that were really good losing the first round of the playoffs. Like, it's about teams that are hot at the moment. So well, you could have been hot all year. If you're not hot in the playoffs, one and done. Well, we quote Broadus all the time on here because he has all these great one-liners yeah. and stuff. And Broadus says this all the time. NFL, strange lady, right? Yeah, right. All I got to say lady. is Jets, Rams. Right. That's, it. <laughs> that's exactly right. Jets, Rams. That's exactly she right. She is a crazy lady. Yeah, and that's always what happens, it seems like to me, is like it's not the teams that are, that are flirting with 0-16 – the, the week that they get that one win, typically it's against the, the most improbable team. It's the team that nobody expects them to get that win against, which was the case yesterday. Yeah, sure. And they go out and play their best game of the season. All right, here's what we're going to do. Let's jump into some of the moments that mattered. Uh, we'll go around the table. Everybody give me a moment from that game that you think was a pivotal moment or an interesting moment. Uh, just a moment that mattered overall in the game. We'll start first with you, Amber. Um... I don't have a specific moment because there were several moments that to me were very similar and had a very big impact for the Cowboys. So I'm just going to go with the general um, thing. And it was the fact what the defense was able to do with the takeaways and the way that the offense reacted, those short field advantages. I mean, one of the things that I've been complaining about this offense is their inability of them getting into the end zone. And I think that for whatever reason, maybe they're, they're just not great at putting back-to-back good plays back-to-back when they have such a long way to go or what. But the fact is that with the short field advantage that the defense was able to give them, the Cowboys were able to capitalize on that. And out of those four takeaways, they were able to get into the end zone three times. And then the other one was a, a field goal. So to me, just, just seeing... What the Cowboys were able to do there offensively and being able to get into this end zone was a big thing. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, I, I'll dive into those a little bit here. We had the, the you basically had two different situations. You had the first Dallas possession, which I thought was really interesting because they they got to the point where they had to punt. They get this really great punt uh, and get down to the they they down it there at the San Francisco one. Um, and then they get an illegal formation call that brings it back and negates that and says you got to punt it again. They punt it. They force a fumble and give the ball to their offense down at the San Francisco 22. And and then the second situation, obviously San Francisco's second possession, uh, that's when Tank forces the fumble uh, and Alden Smith recovers it. But I, I want to go back to the first one because special teams continues, in my opinion, to – I know we they, – they are – it, it's weird because there are weeks when we're like, what the heck is the special teams doing? But then there are other points in games throughout the year, and this has been throughout the year, where special teams just makes these really, really great plays. And I'll say this, C.J. Goodwin, in my opinion, is one of the best special teams players I've ever watched on a weekly basis. I know there have been other guys probably throughout the league who've been that good. But every single game, it seems like if something good happens for the special teams, C.J. Goodwin yeah. is somewhere involved in it. Yeah. And and you know obviously I don't know if is that a moment that mattered I mean because that is that your moment that mattered because that that was definitely one that I was going to mention yeah. the, the the you you never get a penalty on yourself that actually turns into a good thing yeah but but let's let's be somewhat fair to special teams here when Zeke 
is out of the game, and no one knew he was not going to be out until that morning, okay? When he's out of the game, that affects special teams. And that penalty, Shea Alana Lua, that was him not lined up right. Well, he doesn't normally play on that. But when Zeke doesn't play, then then Tony Pollard has to start, and Dattle plays it more of this, and then they move this guy off, and, and Alana Lua goes here, and he doesn't know where to line up, and that's the you know that's a constant thing for special teams. Yeah. We don't think about the trickle effect, but it, it constantly happens like that. And and I bet you there's a lot of this going on around the league, little little things here and there. So that. We need to be somewhat fair with the 11, 12 guys on the field and stuff like that. That's part of this issue with with some of the special teams errors. All right. Dave, give me a moment that mattered. I, uh, real quick, I just want to say, I mean, I, you know, all four of us last week said that we would like John Fossil to hang around. And it, yeah. it's stuff like that. I mean, like the, the potential. They've been sloppy at times. They've been reckless at times. But the potential is there, and and they have, you know, Cowboys special teams have swung them some games this season, and that that perfectly exemplifies it. I I think they need to clean it up in 2021, but I would like John Fossil to to still be in charge of it next year. Um, For me, I think it's, it's the Anthony Brown interception, the second one in the second half. If you're talking about, like, winning the game, because, you know, the defense forces these takeaways in the first half. The offense actually played pretty great on a short field, but they squandered that lead. And I didn't have a ton of under it in the second half. Uh, you know, San Francisco drives to midfield largely based on a penalty, I believe, on yep. Jordan Lewis. Uh, that was the defensive pass interference. Yep. Um, I'm so I mean, they're at midfield. All they need is a field goal. So, you know, you only need a, another first down or two to potentially tie the game, and who knows what happens. And then Anthony Brown, who people love to dog, not only gets a pick, but I, you know, I thought made a great play. Like mm-hmm. Donovan Wilson and Anthony Brown both, like jumping routes, like reading the quarterback. And yeah, I mean, it's Nick Mullins, it's not Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> but still haven't seen a ton of Dallas DBs do that in the last decade. <laughs> Um, so, and you know, he returns it and then two plays later, Tony Pollard kind of seals the thing with with that really nice run. But prior to that, the Dallas offense had been pretty miserable, honestly. Like they had that one really nice drive in the third quarter that led to the Dalton Schultz touchdown and they were awful the rest of the half. So without that takeaway, I don't have a ton of confidence that the defense stops them, and I don't have a ton of confidence that the that the Dallas offense can retake the lead if they give it up. So, you know, I thought Anthony Brown sort of, you know, kind of delivered them the game with that with that fourth takeaway. Yeah, it was I think that was the that to me typifies the type of complimentary football that we saw from this team yesterday is, you know, there were moments when the offense was completely off the rails. There were moments when the defense was completely off the rails. But there were moments, in those moments, one of the other units would make a play. The offense made plays when they needed to. The defense made plays when they needed to. Special teams made plays when they needed to. So, again, that's what complimentary football is. You don't have the kind of team with all the guys you got out that's just going to be dominant on either side of the ball, offense, defense, or special teams. What you do have, maybe... Is or at least what we've seen yet, what we saw yesterday and the week before, is a team where you have units that can, at moments in the game, make plays. And if you can do that enough and complement one another, then you can get the outcome that they ultimately yeah. got. Um, and my moment that mattered, if it's my turn, it I, is your turn. I, I was going to say, the only one left. I was going to say, um, <laughs> you know, and usually when a quarterback gets the ball, 
and he stands in the pocket, and then he's flushed out to the right. Mm-hmm. Okay, every security guard, every cheerleader on the sideline usually get their hands ready because it's coming to you. I mean, they're going to throw it away. And the and the third quarter, when Dalton rolled out third and seven, about to throw it away, and then he just decides to throw it deep to, to CD. Mm-hmm. That that was a huge play in the game. Forty five yards down there, they scored on the very next play, and it was the first time they had actually driven the ball for a touchdown. They had gotten these gifts and they scored on it, but this was one where the offense really. Uh, I thought it was a it was a huge play, and it was it was a great throw down there. The trust of CD. And he he just keeps you know he keeps not surprising us, but he just keeps making these these great plays. That's not the one that everyone's going to remember, obviously the touchdown. But I thought that was the the one. That's that's what got him drafted where he did. Just just being able to to be aware and get up the field, make a great play on the ball, stay in bounds. He he just he had a really nice game yesterday. Yeah, you know I'll throw in this last one before we take our first break. It was the uh, first San Francisco possession of the second half. Uh, at the time, um, Dallas was up by three. It was third and one. The Dallas twenty-three. Mm-hmm. They get a big stop from Dorrance Armstrong there for no gain. That forced uh, San Francisco to take a field goal rather than keep their drive alive on a third and one. They end up tying it up 17-17. But I think that was a moment that really mattered. And you look at Dorrance Armstrong. He only had two tackles in that game. But they were both, I think, pretty good tack- pretty good tackles in the moments that he got them. Uh, I think he is a he is a player that it's a, just an interesting player. I know Jerry loves him, and Jerry mm-hmm. talks about him a lot. And, and there have been other people, all the coach, coaches on this staff that have talked about him as well. And you don't always see him and notice him. Uh, but I do think that if you look throughout the year, there have been those kinds of moments from a guy like him. And if he's your third or fourth defensive end and you're getting those kind of plays in just critical moments, I think that matters. Well, let's also forget, I don't know if you're talking about two defensive tackles, but how many defensive ends run down on the punt? He actually right. forced the fumble on yep. that punt. So that's another tackle. That's a huge play in the game. Uh, I talked to 12 guys yesterday. I didn't talk to him. I think we missed the boat on that one. He had a good game. Yeah, you should have had a we conversation with him next time. Not that Can anybody would have heard it, but I would have. That's an inside joke. Dave knows. So, Uh-oh. No. What I do just, I need to talk I, about? I, no, I made a little. I had a little. I, me and technology aren't really good friends. We I know, know this. That. Yes, Everyone I know Everyone knows that. this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I made know. a mistake. cost me about an hour and a half. I'll, yeah. I'll deal with it. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump into some player evaluations. we got a lot of players that I want to point out and talk about. Each of these guys will give you their players of the game. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. There's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do. 
even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Don't miss your chance to see the Cowboys take on the Philadelphia Eagles in their last regular season home game. A limited number of tickets are on sale now. Get yours today at DallasCowboys.com slash tickets. Welcome back to the second segment of the show live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We are presented by Geico. And we're talking about the Cowboys' big win. They get the win over the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers 41-33. to um, Probably, well, certainly these two games, this stretch of two games, probably the best two games that they've had this season back-to-back. It's not a surprise that they that, that happened against teams that are probably or should or are actually as poor as they are. And I'm actually starting to wonder this, and I'd love to get you guys' opinions. I'm starting to think that this is really, without all their players, this is really a middle-of-the-road team, a 7-9 and a nine to 9-7 nine and seven team they could end up in that seven nine range they could end up six and ten but the point is that's probably what they are because what we're seeing right now is this they're beating teams that are worse than them mm-hmm. it just so happened their schedule was front loaded with the teams that were much better than them you guys agree with that disagree yes. with that i totally agree with that dave um well i mean it, it's just it's it's hard to evaluate any team that doesn't have the quarterback that it's supposed to have but i mean you know, you look at even when Dak was there, I mean, I mean, the defense was pitiful against the Browns, but like do you feel awful about losing to the Browns in light of the season that they're having? Obviously the Seahawks are perennial playoff contenders. Um and and the Rams. Cardinals are a pleasant surprise as well, which isn't a huge surprise. Yeah, and the, the Rams as well. So, um I agree that they played a lot of playoff teams at the start of the season, but I I mean, I would be fascinated to know how much better their record would be if Dak had played all of these games. Uh, you know, I think I, I don't think that they would be, you know, ten and three or whatever, or like you know nine and four. But I think that they would be much more relevant in the playoff conversation. What do you think, Amber? You know, um, I agree, and I don't mean to argue with you, Dave, because I do agree with that point. And if you ask me, obviously, would rather have Dak than Andy Dalton, but at the same time, it's not like the Cowboys have have been this team that is dealing with a very inexperienced quarterback in there. You know, they they have Andy Dalton, who is a guy who who is the starter. He is the starter in the NFL. So at least on the quarterback topic, even though very different weapons, Andy can definitely not do what Dak can do as far as far as like the running game and all that stuff. But just in general, I think that the Cowboys, they could have positioned themselves to be at a better spot had they made conscious sho- choices earlier on in the season, but they didn't. So there, there's so many things that it's definitely out of your control, but then there are so many other things that I still believe, regardless of all the injuries, that the Cowboys could have done better and at least 
being better. I don't know how many more wins they would have gotten, but at least done something a little bit better than what we've seen earlier in the season. But, I mean, now that's in the past, you can't really predict uh, what different things would have happened and how that would have actually changed the game. But I, I do still think that the Cowboys could have positioned themselves at a, at a way better spot right now. Yeah, I'll even give you this, Amber. If if I had to choose one player that I could have had healthy this year that wasn't, I don't think it would have been Dak. I think I would have preferred to have one of those tackles. You give me Tyron for the whole year with Andy Dalton, I don't think they would have been as good as with Dak. I do think they would have still won this division, and I think they would have been a playoff team, and I think they might have won a game in the playoffs. Um, I think with Dak, the problem would have still been without protection, it would have been an uphill battle for them. I think they could have done a lot of things pretty well. The problem still would have been the defense, obviously, but they could have done a, th- a lot of things, a lot of things pretty well. I think if they had one of those tackles, and if that, even if that meant that they didn't have their quarterback. Mm. I think if Dak is if, – if that's the only change, if Dak is – to me, if Dak's the quarterback, I think yesterday they would have had hats. Yesterday. They would have won the division yesterday. What do you think if they would have had one of the tackles and not Dak? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I you think don't? Not, not, I don't <laughs> agree go. with you there. I don't agree with you because of the, uh, the Falcons game, because of the Cleveland, because of some of those games. I think Tyron did play in the Cleveland game. Um, but I, I just think that Dak – with that offense, the way they're rolling, I, I I think they would have you know they would have figured it out. I mean, and I agree with what what Dave and Amber both said. And I just look at specific games. Better core. I mean, Danucci almost had them in a win. Dak wins that game against Philly. Carson Wentz was Santa Claus that day, giving out gifts. So <laughs> I mean, I think they win that game. I think they beat the Steelers with Dak. I think they beat one of the the, the Washington games. Give them three wins right now. I, I mean, and I understand, Amber. You're right. You can't if you do that change. Then everybody's got to change. I get it. Dak plays all year based off everything else. I think this team right now is eight and six, and they had hats yesterday. Hmm. That would have been t-shirts. fun. That really Pretty been much fun. every team that's got a legitimate hope of winning the Super Bowl is doing it with great quarterback play, and the ones that aren't, uh, you know, the Saints and the and the Colts come to mind. Steelers, uh, maybe the Dolphins as well. They got a lot of everything else. Yeah, they. Ha- I mean, the, you know, you got to either have everything or you got to have a really good quarterback. Yep. I'll take the good quarterback every single and time. The Cowboys this year have beaten Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, Kurt Cousins, Brandon Allen, Nick Mullins. There's a storyline there. <laughs> There's a storyline there, and I'm not going to go with the storyline you're bit. talking about. Well, right, I didn't say give me, anything. Give me, <laughs> let's, get, let's get some players of the game. Let's start with you, Dave. Give me a player of the game. Uh, I mean, it would be easy to say C.D. Lamb or Tony Pollard. I wrote stories about those guys yesterday, but um, how about Donovan Wilson? I think I said go. that. I've said that already this year. But, Donnie. You know, I, I, I try to... I try to like couch my enthusiasm for Donovan Wilson because I think people get carried away. They see a guy make a play, they're you know they're they're already penciling him in for next year. And I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, he's he's good, but like he's still a sixth round pick. You know, people were really excited about Xavier Woods at one point in his career as well. But every time the dude goes out there, he just makes a difference. He does. And he's not, you know, he, he's not a perfect player. I think he's still got some growing to do in coverage. I don't know if he's ever going to be this, like, sticky coverage safety, but 
he makes plays, man. And that's more than a lot of Dallas DBs can say in my time covering the team. So, I, I mean, I got to give it to him. He should have had two picks yesterday. And the one that he did make was very impressive. So, it's uh, it's exciting to think where his career could be going. Yeah, I'm not I'm not talking down this guy anymore from the no. standpoint of let me wait and see. No, 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 because because I'll tell you right now with what he's done in just this year, name a defensive back. I'm not just going to even say safety. Name a defensive back. You can go back as far as you want to. I want to see how far you have to go to get one that's made as many plays as this guy's making. And he's making them. And by the way, he was making them in training camp in 2019. He was making them in practices. Like, this is not something that's new. This is something we've seen basically since the time I've been watching him. I didn't watch him at A&M a ton. But ever since he's been with the Dallas Cowboys, he's been making plays. I'm not putting it on a curve anymore. He is what he is at this point. He's a playmaking safety in my opinion. Yep. All right, Amber, give me a player of the game. Hard to argue. Uh, I mean, my player would have to be Demarcus Lawrence. He's a guy that we've talked about all season. Fans have been criticizing him because he wasn't living up to his contract and all these things. And, I mean, yesterday, you just watch the game, and you he, he will make himself known. And the power that he had, even on plays that weren't, like, statistically credited to him, he was still making an impact there. And, and another thing that I think to me stands out, stands out in these past few games is the rest of the line. I mean, these guys, even when the play, let's say the play is happening all the way over there to the far right, and most likely this player won't be able to catch up to their to that guy and make a play or anything. Most of these def- defensive line guys ha- are just, they don't give up. They don't give up on plays, and they go after. And to me, that those are things that are really important and things that don't necessarily have an actual effect on the game, like on the play or on stat sheets or anything like that. But just to see that kind of drive from the line, defensive linemen overall in general, the, the kind of energy and will and, and competitiveness com- I can't even say that word but you know the will to compete in there and not give up uh, it, it's impressive it, it, it's impressive so De- uh, Demarcus Lawrence for sure but also giving credit to the rest of the line you know I, I think I, I want to copyright this I don't know I, and I don't know how you add a, a, something to a cliche to the world but it's not. It's. I've said this before. It's not horseshoes and hand grenades. You know, close only counts at horseshoes and hand grenades, and pass rush. Like pass rush should count. Like that counts. Like she's right. Demarcus Lawrence may not get a sack on this play, but if the quarterback just throws it into the ground because he's scared of getting hit again, <laughs> that counts. You're off the field. They punted. You don't get really anything for it. But being close, you get a quarterback and, pressure. In close yep. pressure, that counted right there. So uh, she's right about that. My player to watch is Jordan Lewis, and and uh, Jordan, I thought yesterday, really made a strong case to say maybe this guy needs to come back. I thought this was his best game since mm-hmm. of the season by far. Uh, he was blitzing off the edge. He was physical. He was making plays. Yeah, he got a penalty a little bit. I, I think I'll take it. You'll take it. I mean, he's yeah. being aggressive. He he was he showed his his value. And his versatility and all that. He, he was really, really good yesterday. And uh, he's been good actually the last few games. If you think, go back to the Minnesota game, he made some plays at the end. So, you know, he, he's just one of those guys that uh, unfortunately – he just doesn't pass the cornerback eye test. He's got to prove to the coaches he can play, he can ball. He might have been in his feelings a little bit early. I don't know what was going on there early on in the year. He's playing well now, and 
you know, I think, you know, all three of these people, D-Law, Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis, had slower starts this year for whatever the reason. They're balling out right now. Yep. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, I do want to talk about Tony Pollard and his game yesterday and what it means. Nick thinks it means very little no, about the guy no. that didn't play. Oh, yes. Right? Sorry. That I was apologize. your article, right? I apologize for okay. jumping in. But I do want to ask these other guys if they think it has something to do or if it does reflect on the guy that didn't play. We'll talk about that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Dear, it's 1908. Don't you think we should get electricity? Hmm, and stop using candles to see at night. It's just electricity lights up the room fast. It's more reliable than candles blowing out, and people seem to love it nationwide. Well, candles are... Dear, did you just run into the wall? Nope. May I have a new candle, please? Historically, switching to new technology is a no-brainer. Today, it's AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure, and nationwide. Switch to AT&T 5G. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan. May not be in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Back to the break. Don't miss the virtual Christmas extravaganza presented by Albertsons and Tom Thumb. The most electrifying holiday show of the season can be watched on the... Hold on, I gotta say this. I mean... The most electrifying holiday show of the season can be watched on the Dallas Cowboys Facebook and Twitter on December 24th at 6 p.m. Central or on demand at DallasCowboys.com slash Christmas. Welcome back. You can't read <laughs> anything with extravaganza and electrifying in the way I was doing it. That's a good point. That's a I really apologize. good point. It's Christmas week. It We're is. going to be Will's off all week, I think. All right. Uh, it is the final segment of the break presented by Geico. we got to talk about a couple players or a couple different situations that happened in this game that I think are worthy of conversation. We're going to start with Tony Pollard. He had a good day yesterday, um, and, and I thought, Nick, I, you when you came to the press box where we were, First person I went to no, no, talk no, to you no, about. I wasn't in the press box. 
Oh, sorry. When, whenever I, I saw the picture of you in the press box, I wanted to point out the fact, like, Tony Pollard and what he did yesterday was special because I knew I knew you were making the claim, I don't have anything to do with Zeke. Don't get me started on yeah. Zeke. You wrote an article about it. Tell me the premise okay. of the article. I, I just I feel like it, it was about Tony Pollard. This is what they drafted him to be. They wanted him to be this kind of guy. And if you think about it, most of his success, pretty much all of it, was in space. That's what they did with him. I don't think they need to have Zeke in the lineup or out of the lineup to utilize him that way. They need to figure out how to get these two backs going in the game more. Um, I don't think this means, oh, you just replace him. Because he didn't replace Zeke in the things they asked Zeke to do. He was doing a lot of stuff on the edges, which is great. A lot of swing passes. I think he needs to be replacing the third or fourth receiver, maybe some of the tight end. Something like that. Different packages, as, as uh, 20 packages, as Bucky said last week. Um, I don't think it, he did all the dirty work that Zeke did. But I, he was great. Let's, let's make it about Tony Pollard. He was electrifying. So let me ask you this question. I'm going to flip that a little bit. Gonna challenge me? Do you think challenge you a little bit? Do you think that maybe the Cowboys, as a team, maybe shouldn't be doing the things that they're asking Zeke to do as much as the things that they're asking Tony Pollard to do? And what I mean by that is, you're, I assume what you're saying mm-hmm. is he's not a power runner. He's not a guy that's going to line up and you know you're going to pound up right yeah. behind the the center and and pick up three four yards. Do you think maybe Cowboys should look at this and say, I'll give you a good example. Marshall Falk made a career of being the type of back that Tony Pollard was yesterday. Mm-hmm. Their offense was built around that type of running back. They got him out in space. They looked for opportunities to get the ball in his hand in space and let him create with it. Should the Cowboys be doing more of that versus p- trying to pound the ball with Zeke Elliott? I mean, I think that, that's a fair point. I'll take, let, let Dave an, answer that, too. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that the, the way to think about it, though, is Zeke makes $15 million a, a year. He's your back. He, you, you've made the bed. you gotta, you got to sleep in it. And, Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and you got to go to Zeke's strengths. But there's ways to get incorporate Pollard in there. Dave? Dave? David Hellman. Can you hear us? I so y'all are kind of choppy right now. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. What yeah. are you? Did you hear? Did you hear the question? Did you hear what we were talking about? We just wanted to get your opinion. Can you on repeat it. it for me? I'm sorry. <laughs> we we're trying Can to find out what your thoughts are on Tony Pollard versus Zeke. Whether and my question to Zeke to, to Nick was, he said that Pollard wasn't doing the kind of things you ask ask Zeke to do. My question is. Maybe the Cowboys shouldn't be asking Zeke to do those things or asking anybody to do those things. Maybe they need to have an offense that's more geared toward the types of things that they were asking of Tony Pollard yesterday versus the things that maybe they're asking Zeke to do. What do you think? I mean, I like they have given Zeke those opportunities, have they not? Like Zeke has been targeted plenty in the passing game this season. Hasn't really done a whole lot. Right. His, his hands have been questionable. Um I mean, I I don't think Tony Pollard did anything that Zeke could not do yesterday. Like he, you know, they weren't asking him to run these crazy routes or uh, or anything like that. Like stuff that Zeke's not capable. But we have not seen that from Ezekiel Elliott. And the argument that I'm hearing, you know, on Twitter and and just in in Cowboy Land right now is like, yeah. You need both of these running backs because Zeke Zeke does do the zir- dirty work. Zeke, Zeke gets the four-yard gains, and Zeke always falls forward and all that stuff. But is that is that really what you're paying a guy fifteen million dollars to do? Because um, that that doesn't that doesn't work. I mean, that's just not good team building. If you're 
you know, if you're dirty runner who never breaks explosive plays and never has a 150 yard all purpose day, you know, 60 receiving yards, 70 rushing yards. Um, if, if all he's doing is falling forward for four yards, I mean, anybody can do that. You know, Chris Carson does that for Seattle and they got him in like the seventh round. Um, so it's, it, it creates a conundrum because I do think Zeke is valuable. You know, I'm not trying to get rid of the guy, but but he's making a lot more than what his role suggests. And I, I mean, like I said, I'm not trying to get rid of Zeke, but I thought Tony Pollard's performance kind of emphasized that yesterday. Amber, what are you thinking? I'm not sure if um, the game plan was better suited for Tony Pollard's ability or if Pollard just simply executed them better. Um, my thing is that these guys are both on the same team. I mean, you're both on the same team. You're playing for the same reasons. I don't think there is a need to put them against each other. There's, you, you can utilize them both. I don't think that Pollard can do some of the things that Zeke can do. And obviously, based on the things that we've seen, Zeke cannot do, maybe, not anymore, some of the things that Pollard is being able to do as far as those um, explosive plays. But I think it just comes down to Kellen Moore and the way that they decide to utilize both of them. Like, they have different games. Like, these two guys have different abilities. And you can use that to your advantage. You can just, you just need to find a, a, a way to distribute the plays better, find ways that you can actually combine them both, use them both at the same time, and use that as a threat. So I'm not here to to be like on, oh, Team Zeke or Team Pollard here. I'm here on both teams, I'm like both of them. Just use them both and find the best way to use them. So, but but I'm definitely not, not ready to say, oh yeah, uh, Zeke is not that kind of back anymore, sit him out and give Pollard the ball a lot more. No, I just think you you need to find a way to use them both. Well, the fact is they they absolutely have to use them both because Zeke ain't going anywhere. Like the contract is not one that you're going to be able to trade. Uh, you're not going to cut him and just assume all that money. Um, and by the way, he still is a good player. Like you you need good players, mm-hmm. so it, it, that you're going to have to have them both. And I think Nikki hit the nail on the head when you said they just got to figure out. And I heard you say on the radio this morning when you were doing your hit with 105.3 The Fan um, that that it's kind of baffling that it took Zeke being out for them to actually use Pollard in these ways because what we saw yesterday was a very dynamic running back, and it doesn't seem like they have figured out how to do that when Zeke's in the lineup, which is baffling. They should be able to figure that out. Especially on there was a play where Rico Dattle was the running back, and they they swung him around and – you know that would even be better. You know if you had Zeke in there. So they, th- that's going to be one of those off-season things. They really needed to figure out ways to, to do that. Use them both. I think I also said this. Kamara was the player that they mentioned when when I think Stephen Jones said they wanted him to be like a Kamara when he was you know yeah. at the Saints. And when he first, I think they made the Pro Bowl the same year Mark Ingram made the Pro Bowl for the Saints. Now. I get it. Sean Payton is a genius over there, and he's got Drew Brees and all that. But two running backs made the Pro Bowl. You know, they only take three. So there's a way to do it where you have a good runner that's featured. But they also, after that, they moved on from that other back and made Kamara their primary back, right? So, I mean, if you use that argument, if is, is Pollard good enough to do that? And I think ultimately what this does, it just illuminates the reason why maybe you shouldn't invest that second contract in any running right. back. It's because they're just so plentiful, right? Yeah. 
I'm not talking about what they did afterwards. You're right. But because if the contract was different, this might be different here. But this is the way it is. This is the way the contract is. So figure it out. There's a, there's some examples so that it, it can work. You're right. If Zeke was in the last year of his contract, this would be a different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It would be. But he's not, and, and they got to figure it out. Do you think that Zeke's contract, whether explicitly or subconsciously, weighs into that? Like, do you think there is an element of, well, this guy commands X amount of the salary cap pie, like, he needs to be on the field? Like, we we don't need, you know, we're not equal using a guy on a rookie contract versus a guy that's eating up $15 million of our salary cap. I don't know the answer to that, but it does make me wonder. I think it does. I think it does. they should, they should be better at balancing these two players. They haven't been the whole time Tony's been on the team, and it does make me wonder if you know and, resource allocation is part of the reason why. And and you know, we didn't talk about the offensive line. I thought the offensive line played played better yesterday. I mean, I, I'm I'm curious to see what people that really study and know what they're looking for and all that. What Terrence Steele's grades have been here lately? He seems like he's playing a little bit better. I actually think the narrative may have flipped a little bit. I actually think Brandon Knight is one I see. With more bust now than really? Terrence Steele, just I, I'll point to there was this one play, uh, particularly where I think they would have had a touchdown. Uh, it was a I want to say it was a, a second, third down, but anyway, there, uh, Dalton was backing up. He was, throw, was about to throw to CD Lamb Over the middle, and CD was I mean he had nothing but green yeah. grass in front of him, and he knew it, and and so did Andy. But basically, Brandon Knight, and it was basically the left side of the line. You had Looney, you had Connor, and you had Brandon Knight, and they all three just kind of completely whiffed on this on this twist that the San Francisco defensive front ran, and nobody picked up the guy looping to the inside, and he just basically blew up the play. And 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 you know, Brandon Knight kind of doesn't know what's going on. Connor kind of stuck with this guy, didn't recognize what was going on. Looney's over, kind of messing, helping up on on the right side. So I, I just think. Yeah, I, I've seen more plays over the last two weeks where I was like, what is Brandon doing here? I haven't really noticed Terrence Still very much yeah. at all these it's last few weeks. And to me, that's an improvement because we were noticing him a lot earlier yeah. in the year. I think my point, what I was going to say, is that it's an athletic line a little bit more than they are a power line, or a lot more than they are as a power line. With with Lyle's got power, Tyron's got some power, Zach Martin, you know, they, they can run. I think this the line is, is better suited for, to have Zeke in there than it is, you know, the way it is r- right now. But yep. but I, I I'd say this, that it, NFC West next year, oh my god. I mean, the 49ers are going to be back cuz they, they have good coaching staff. They're going to be back. Seattle is Seattle. They're going Rams, Cardinals. Yeah, damn. it's going to be a I tough mean, that, division. Yeah, I no think the NFC East going to be better, but man, that that's, that might be the best in football right there. Yep. All right. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll get into some other topics. There were some things we didn't get a chance to get into, like Noah Brown and the wide receivers. We'll talk about some of that stuff tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eben, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!